Welcome into DTC. It feels like summer is dragging. I, I'm not really sure where to start this evening, but there's so many things that have happened in the last 10 days or so since the last podcast. LP joined me on the last one. Steve is joining me on this one. Stevie, there's a lot for us to get into. And I'm not just talking about Trump and the Supreme Court or the World Cup or what the craziness in the NBA. There's a lot of Nat stuff to talk about, and a lot of it's not very good stuff. But you're the Nats guy, along with the rest of the uh, the donkeys that cover the team very closely. And uh, you know, before we get into the hoopla surrounding the All Star break and uh, and the festivities planned for DC or throughout DC, we got to talk about this team here. This team is sitting at 500 with a game in in play right now, zero uh, zero in the top of the fourth right now at, this, at when we're recording this. But 45 and 45 is not where most people had this team pegged. Um, you know, 90 games into the season. They're two games under 500 at home, which is crazy when you really think about what that number means. They're chasing the Phillies and the Braves in the division. The Mets have fallen off completely, and no one cares about the Marlins, so let's save our breath. But this team is 23-21 on the road, 22-24 at home, 3-7 and over their last 10. I'm not really sure where to start with them. Five games behind the Phillies, right now completely out of the playoffs, and it just feels like one of those years where it's just not going to be a good season and and it's a bad feeling and you know maybe maybe fans in the district haven't been paying attention we're still coming off the emotional high of the capitals and the fantastic stanley cup run that we all witnessed and were a part of that you know consumed the city but people are starting to come around now and it's baseball season it's the middle of summer yes the world cup is going on there's some stuff going with rooney and dc united and the opening of another sports venue in town but the Nationals just don't look good. They just don't look good. They, something doesn't look right. And it's not fair to make this about, you know, Martina, uh, Davey Martinez or Dusty Baker and what would have happened, this and that. But you know what? 45 and 45, 90 games in is not, it's just, it's not where we want to be. And I don't see anything changing in the, in the coming weeks here. I, I mean, what's going on? I mean, health has been an issue all season long. But you look at this team, where they've been consistently strong is pitching, and even that's looking a little bit shaky right now. So what do you see? Because I'm not encouraged, right? We're, we're sitting here, you know, first, you know, what, week to 10 days of July. This isn't where we want to be going into the All-Star break. It's definitely not. Did anyone have the Phillies and Braves ahead of us, you know, at this point in the season? So I'm not encouraged. I'm not going to, you know, pull all the fire alarms and say this is it's over, but let's be real here. Something isn't right, and they had a seventeen, you know, seventeen run explosion uh, last week or two weeks ago, and since then it's just been like, struggling to score. The bats have been terrible. There's a lot going on. There's a lot to unpack with the Nationals. So let's take it a piece at a time. Let's leave the injuries aside because injuries are always going to happen. Let's talk specifically about the pitching, and then let's transition and talk about about hitting, and then we can talk about the manager as well. So give everyone your thoughts. Sure, but- the state of the Nats. I'm happy to, and I'm, I'm happy to be here. But before we get into that, I think a week at the beach has, has made you pretty mellow here, okay? <laughs> yeah, you sound like Barry Manilow right now. Yeah, okay? listen, the edges come down. off. Yeah, a, a week of, you know, toes in the sand and, and music and just being away from the city and just recharging and, and having some time to I, I, I don't sit like with this version thought. of you, okay? <laughs> you know, give it a Let, day or two. <laughs> give it a day or two. I'm sure it'll come back around. But well, you know, it, you, we all need to get unplugged. Get we got plenty of stress here in the city for you, okay? And you brought up the biggest stress in my life right now, which is the, the Nationals and the way they're looking. And we can't get away from the injuries. And where the injuries are hurting this team most is pitching. And really, if you want to get to the foundational problem with this team right now, it's inconsistent pitching. The starting Which pitchers, is crazy. Which is crazy because that, that's been the, the bread and butter of the team for three seasons now. Well, let's, let's, let's break it down. Max is Max, although we keep on saying Max is Max and – He's had an incredible. He's one in three in his last starts. In, in his last four starts, he's got an ERA over three, which again is, is not, you know, you're not sending him to the minors for it, but it's not Max's Max, and especially in the last four starts, he's been good, but he hasn't been great. So you have Max, and, and he's been kind of that consistent fifth day guy that you know is going to give you a chance to win every game. Then you move to Strasburg's position, is now being assumed by Gio Gonzalez, who started off really well. Seven and one looked very good. Pitches were, were 
were really sharp and then now has really dipped, but has really progressed back to the mean. Um, and Gio's really fallen off, but it's where he's supposed to be. Gio is not the problem here because then you get to the next guy and Tanner Rourke, it, it just, He's got an ERA of, uh, I think this is an exact number, 762.48. Okay. This guy, I mean, and it's, it's become mental with him. And, and it actually shows, even I saw a postgame, he was saying he felt great last game, gave up six runs, first two innings. I mean, he, he, it's become a mental thing with him where, you know, he's going out there and zero confidence. I mean, he's barely making it four innings. Uh, and, and Tanner's really fallen off. And he started off the season. I mean, there are episodes of this very podcast where we talked about how incredible Tanner and Gio had been early on in the season. And what, that was keeping them afloat while the bats weren't there, while the bats weren't producing. The bats have actually come alive over the past couple of weeks. I was at the game where they were down 9-1, put 14, uh, you know, scored 14 runs in a row, ended up winning, you know, 14-11. So the bats have come alive really thanks to the youngest player on that team, which is Juan Soto. Guy's almost a double-digit homers. Uh, he's playing incredible. Trey Turner's become hot. I, obviously, at that comeback, he had eight RBIs. Um, Rendon's hitting well. Murphy's getting his swing back slowly. Matt Adams coming off the DL has been incredible. It's just he's hitting everything. Um, and even Pedro Severino and Spencer Keebum are, are you know filling in admirably a catcher. So to me, it's it's not the bats anymore. It's consistent pitching. And when you have uh, you know, and then you put in Eric Fetty in, in the starting lineup in, in the rotation, and he's not producing the way you wanted him to. And then you put in Jeffrey Rodriguez, who's just not ready to pitch in the major leagues. And this is where it gets to a point where you have starters and you have players that are being put on the field that are not MLB ready. And so Bryce was right to call it a uh, the Syracuse Chiefs or whatever. He was calling it a minor league team. And um, that, that's, that's where the, the, the team is at. But you, you can know, point right to a couple different games, right? You can point to a, a couple different games or series even where you say, hey, we're going to get right now, right? The the Most notably to me yes. is that two-game or three-game uh, about, a, what, two weeks now ago when they went into uh, to face the Orioles. You know, they win two of three, un- not convincingly by any stretch, but you think, all right, we're going to get, you know, we're going to get our feet under us and, and, and kind of put this all back together. Then they give up 12 to the Phillies, five the following night, you know, basically dropping two of three, uh, to the Phillies, uh, ending on the 24th. Then they get, you know, crushed by the Rays, giving up 11. Then they get, then they lose to the Rays by one. And then they go back to the Phillies and lose another two of three. Like, it's just, they can't string wins. They can't string consistent performances together. And then you go to basically to, to you know, Sunday, July 1st, lose again to the Phillies, then get embarrassed by the Sox and in, in the Red Sox in, in three-game series. Then the game that, I again, I felt like, okay, we're going to turn it around, coming from behind in dramatic fashion last week mm-hmm. on, on, you know, as a game I was watching from Florida, um, <clears throat> you know, on vacation. But the tweets, the tweets that were coming in, in towards the end of that game, it was doomsday. It was the end of the Nats, you know, put a fork in them, they're done. They rallied to win. They were right? in the stadium. I was in yeah, there. They, okay, they rallied to win that one 14-12. They win the following night 3-2. They put up 18 this past Saturday night. And then they give up 10 on Sunday. Yeah, well, well again, you, you pinpointed it felt like a three-day kind of watershed moment where down 9-1, come back to win 14-12. Then the next night they won on a walk-off. Mark Reynolds right. hit a walk-off home run. And then Saturday the explosion, 18-4, they destroyed them. And then, like you said, Sunday they put up a dud, and Monday they put up a dud against the Pirates. And, but what I'm saying is you can't string along – uh, uh, you can't go on a streak of victories with this kind of pitching. No, it's you not possible. Can't. I mean, they and they haven't had. I'm, I might be mistaken here, but they haven't had more than two wins almost in a month and a half now. I mean, they, they yeah. are a 500 ball club, and you yeah. know this is the point where you got to look at. I hate to do it, but you got to look at the manager and say something's something's got something's not right here. Like, don't don't just give me the oh we're injured and this and that because we're. There's always injuries here. We we lost Eaton on like the first play of the, the season last year, right? There's always guys that are going down. That but you know Rizzo has hung his hat on the ability to find talent around the you know the our minor league system and other teams minor league systems make these trades and acquire talent and he gets the praise. But this is one of those times where we also got to look and say, well, the team's just simply not performing. 
I mean, right now to be sitting in third in the NL East, looking up at, at two teams that you were universally, you know, declared to be better than, it's kind of shocking. I mean, it's kind of shocking. And now the Braves are certainly better than what we thought they were going to be. But the, are the Nats really a 500 ball club? Yeah. I mean, you are what your record is, right? Is Parcells the one who said that or Belichick? Both. I'm going to go, yeah, I mean, they're... they're Probably both. They're maybe, Dennis, maybe Danny yeah. Green. <laughs> they are who we thought they were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, you are what your record is, right? This is a 500 team. The problem with this season is it is eerily similar to 2015, where the expectations were through the roof. Sports Illustrated, everyone was predicting... World Series, I was going to say World Cup, World Series preview, you know, Nats, Yankees, Nats, whoever, and they were picking us to go to the World Series, and we just plopped along throughout the entire season. Everyone said, okay, you know, Nats win two in a row, all right, now they're going to turn it on. Okay, Nats, you know, looked impressive one night, all right, now they're going to turn it on. And it just never came. And the Mets that season ran away with it. They had great pitching. They had young talent. They ran away with the division. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to run away with this division. I think the Braves are actually the best team in the division. I think the Phillies um, are benefiting from a nice uh, schedule late and are putting together some victories. But I don't think anyone's going to run away with this division. But if the Nats don't start playing 600 ball or better, then, yeah, they're going to miss out. And right now, I mean, the way the NL, uh, the National League is set up, I mean, they won't get a wild card spot. I mean, if they don't win the division, uh, no way. Be watching the playoffs at home. No way. The Brewers and Cubs are are, are running away here in, in the Central. Yeah. And even if you if and you the, go in the West, I mean the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers, and don't look now, but the Giants are are climbing too. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you look at the teams that are over five hundred: Rockies, Giants, Dodgers, Diamondbacks. Uh, let's see the Cardinals, Cubs, Brewers, Braves, Phillies, all ahead of the Nats right now. Uh, I mean, no, no, wild, wild card is not an option here. That they gotta get hot and they gotta start. They gotta start beating the division rivals. They they have to. They have yeah, to. I think coming out of the All Star break, um, I think they got the Braves. Uh, I'm looking at it, actually Braves, Brewers, Mar- Braves, Marlins, and Mets in their division with another uh, three game series with the Brewers. I think those are all uh, must wins, man. They're all must wins. Of course, everything is must win after the All Star break, but. Um, I think you got to take care of your division. Uh, obviously, you're looking up at the Braves, so you got to take care of the Braves coming out. I mean, they they go into the break five games back. They got the Braves coming in for three games, so five games back is, is nothing. Especially, you know, they're going to be playing the Braves. The but Braves. this is a but the, like you said, looking at the schedule. I mean, you know, even on the heels of the Brewers, you get the Marlins again. You get the uh, who's after? You get the Mets. You get the Reds. Uh, you get the Braves again. Like, there's a lot of opportunity to make up some time here, but. I mean, they got to they got to chop chop because there isn't that much time left. Well, there, there's there's you know, uh, uh, you know, hope comes in the morning, whatever the phrase is, because you got Strasburg coming out. Strasburg, I think, is actually pitching tonight in Potomac. I think he's um, he he was sent to the minors. He's going to do a minor league start there on Tuesday and maybe Saturday in Potomac, and then he should be ready to pitch that Brave series actually. Um, I, I think I don't think I think Scherzer is going to start the All Star game, so I don't think he'll be available to start that series. But uh, you get Strasburg back. I think you know, obviously you you got Matt Weeders back catching. Um, so that by the way, be, he's uh, super yeah. important. Like I, I've learned a lot of baseball in the last couple of seasons. That position is always the most important, and it goes without it, not enough not enough praise or credit goes to uh, goes to the catchers, but they control. Well, Everything they control the the rhythm of the pitcher. They control the timing. They control. It's not just the play call. I mean, they do so much more. Sorry, the pitch call. Absolutely. They do so and, much more. And there there is a theory, and there's just one theory. Take it, uh, you know, with a grain of salt. That Geo and Tanner struggles. Have timing's to do with all Pedro off. Severino. Yeah, yeah. The timing's off. The the you know getting the signal in. Getting you know. Th- there's just the, that extra two, three, four seconds. Is throwing them off, like, and it's there's so much more psychological stuff happening between a pitcher and a catcher that when you when you mess with that uh, balance, I, I mean, it's, I mean, you, we're seeing the effects of it. 
even even yeah. even Max is struggling right now. So, like you said, I mean, he's he's the guy that I've I've been saying just put money on this guy to win every time he steps out. Yeah, okay, fine. He's lost three of the last four. I don't think that that trend will hold the rest of the season. He's just too good. But they yeah, got to get well, healthy. They got to they got to get they got to get good real quick. And the other thing is, let's not uh, forget that uh, uh, the trade deadline's coming up, and Rizzo's probably going to pull something out of his wherever. Uh, there is a catcher in Tampa Bay that is very familiar with uh, the nation's capital, Wilson Ramos, all-star. You know, if we can swing a trade with him, then, then you, you know, I want to see what Rizzo's got. It'll be interesting, and, and this is probably safe for another show, but it'll be interesting to see if he doesn't do anything. That is a telling sign of either his over... Um, trust and his, his over comfort with the current roster or that he's thinking the team might need to be blown up. So let me, let me get you on this <clears throat> on the record here over or under a 10% chance that Bryce Harper gets traded. Uh, uh, zero, zero. I'm, yeah, I no, think, no, no. come on, come on. Come on. It, there's it, a, there's if, a chance. If, there's a chance. There's a chance. If, because you're not going to re-sign was, him, right? We, I think I think popular thought around town right now is that he's not coming back. He won't be in a, in a Nats uh, in a Nats jersey next year. That's kind of the working theory here, right? You're Rizzo. Yes. You're sitting at 500. You're gonna you're gonna lose him and get nothing for him. Isn't there a part of you that wants to see what you can get? I, I think the only one that is confident that uh, Bryce Harper will be back here next year is Mike Rizzo. All right. I think he. I think he thinks. I think Mike Rizzo, obviously, given my personal experience with him, he's a man with a certain set of hubris. Okay, I think he thinks he can talk anyone into coming back to DC. Do you think he uh, wants him back? See, I, I mean, I, I want know. him back, but I want him back at a price that I don't. I don't. I, I, he probably I, won't accept. It's not my money. Yeah. But I just well, don't see him coming back on a, on a deal that's somewhere in the sixteen-ish range. Which is where he's at oh, now. No, he's, it's not going to happen, right? It won't happen. Yeah, he's taking nothing under thirty, and so I, I think. Well, he's making eighteen uh, right now, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, I think the contract he's looking for is ten years, probably four hundred million. If he was having an All Star season, he's not. He voted but he's not. But yeah, if he was having an All Star, but even still, without the All Star season, he's still looking at three hundred over ten years. That's thirty mil. I just don't see the learners paying it, but. Yeah, let's put a fork in all things Nats here. Let's see if they pull out this win tonight. I mean, they like I said, they got to get healthy quick. I mean, let's pivot here and just talk a little bit about all-star festivities. Uh, you're going to be down covering and attending a bunch of this stuff. I'll be down there as well, uh, LP and FP. Um, I think they're planning to go to FanFest or whatever that, that thing is that they have set up. Um, Matt and uh, and uh, Reali and Freddie and everybody else, I think we all have kind of our assignments, but what – are you looking forward to the most the derby the game just seeing the players out and about you know perusing the streets of your neighborhood well I, I, yeah i mean what's I, got I you think excited two things i think um i think it's just gonna be great to see the neighborhood popping i think there's just gonna be so many fun things and i think it's gonna be really family friendly and i know that it's a little bit selfish for me with the family but um i think it's just gonna be great to see so many families so many little kids out there running around the bases and you know, at the parks and the festivals and all the, the, the different stuff at the convention center. And so I think that'll be just a great thing for the city and the neighborhood. There's so many kids here um, that I think will become baseball fans through it. I think it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So that is just on Well, let's be on real a, here. The, the stink of the Nats season is kind of taken. I mean, coming off the caps true. high, there's just there's no comparison. There's just no comparison, sure. you know. That's so. true. That's true. But I think... The main event is the Derby. I think Monday night will be awesome. I think you don't get a lot of chances in life to uh, witness a home run Derby. Uh, an all-star game is a, just a regular baseball game, right? 27 outs. Uh, you know, it's, it's special, but it's still a game. The Derby is just something. Uh, it's for fans. Uh, hands down the best. Yeah, it's the best uh, all-star event of any of the major sports. Oh, you don't like dunk the dunk contest? contest? You're, not, you're not big I on the dunk contest the dunk anymore? Contest is garbage okay three three point contest is actually more entertaining see and this this and what you just said there goes to my theory that people 
People are fans of things that think they, that they think they can do, right? You can't dunk a basketball. You think you could shoot or maybe hit or maybe pitch, but there's no chance you're going to so, get up and dunk a basketball. There's, there's probably six years of empirical evidence of me shooting a basketball <laughs> over you, okay, and averaging 17 a night at the church basketball league. Okay? If you say so, but I don't see a stat book anywhere. It's and evidence. There's, there's only been one three-point contest and uh, that I'm aware of, and, and I am the only <laughs> champion of that contest. Let's get off of this. Well, actually, let's stick with basketball here for a second. Um, you know, let's let's keep the, the weeks in review theme going. LeBron to L.A., Paul George stays in OKC. Which story was bigger to you? Oh, I mean, I think it's LeBron. I think All right, which story was bigger to the league? <laughs> well, I, I think it's still LeBron. You have okay. the best player in the world moving. I mean, he, he totally shifted, uh, you know, everything. Right now, the East uh, Eastern Conference completely wide open. I think teams in Philly and Boston and not in D.C. are, are throwing a party. I mean, can you imagine a, a team in the Eastern Conference is going to go to the NBA Finals? It's not the Cleveland Cavaliers. Incredible. Or the Heat. Or uh, that includes LeBron. Or the Heat. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, I think he got um, to a point where he and, and LP and I are going to talk about NBA for agency. I mean, that that it deserves its own show because even if you don't like the NBA or don't follow it very closely, man, the, the draft and free agency is crazy, and and it's crazy in the NBA unlike any other league. You know, so give me your thoughts on so LeBron moving to LA. Okay, well, I don't think it's a basketball move. I think this is a business decision. I think he's, I think if he never wins another playoff series, uh, much less an NBA Finals, I think he he wouldn't mind. That's kind of my personal take. And the cast of clowns that's come in there to support him, I would argue it's worse than what he left in Cleveland. Javale McGee is an is an is a, an absolute ass clown. Um, you know, you look at Lance Stevenson and that whole crazy incident. Very very similar to Matt Barnes. Joining uh, joining Kobe's Lakers later in his career, like there's just not a lot of talent there. Lonzo Ball is, I mean, he he's shown some flashes of of, of capability, but his dad is just a sideshow. It just feels like LeBron. This was a move that was coming. He wanted the weather. He wanted the city, and he was just done. If like I said, I think I also don't think his legacy is tarnished in any way if he doesn't win another playoff series. Much like, again, if he if he just makes the playoffs as a seventh or eighth seed and gets bounced for the rest of his career, I don't think it's going to impact the LeBron versus MJ talk whatsoever. He he's he's his his legacy is sealed in my opinion. Um, and if you grew up yeah. watching him, he's the best you've ever seen. We grew up, you know, we we had the distinct pleasure of growing up and watching Jordan in his prime, Kobe's entire career, and LeBron. And yeah, it's the comparison is fair. Like what he's been able to do with with limited talent around him. Is is incredible. So, if he wins fifty games next year or thirty, it, it's not going to change my opinion of him whatsoever. But I'll tell you, the NBA is is uh, the product is terrible. You know, if any any time you know who's going to win in June the fo- the previous year, you're in big trouble, right? Boogie Cousins going to the Warriors on a on a vet minimum contract. Now, granted, I'm not going to fault the Warriors for trying to go out and get more talent. The guy won't play until probably January, February at the earliest, and you know, every all indications are that no other team even had a contract out for him to consider, including the Pelicans, which gave up the farm to get him in the first place. So I'm not going to fault the guy for taking a league minimum. I'm not going to fault him for chasing a ring, but frankly, I don't think that's this. I, I think, um, you know, I think the Warriors saw an opportunity to add yet another piece. And why not? I mean, they're in the business to win and make money. So I'm I'm not going to fault them either for going out and acquiring talent. It's a gamble. If he plays well, you know, he gets a ring. If he plays poorly, he's going to get a ring. It's a win-win for him. Uh, I, I don't see the negative of it. I will tell you, though, the one storyline that I was really impressed with was Paul George electing to stay in Oklahoma City because it was clear as day. This guy forced his forced Indiana's hand to trade him last year because he knew he made it very clear he wanted to go to the Lakers. They sent him to OKC. He didn't want to re-up. And then something happened between him and Russ where he decided that he wanted to stay in OKC. That's a huge win for not just the Oklahoma City Thunder, but for every smaller market team that you know wants to take a shot on an all-star. Like, Can your culture actually keep the guy that says he doesn't want to stay if you're Sam Presti in OKC, the answer is 100% yes, and it sounds like they're going to buy out Carmelo Anthony. So, you know, Dwight Howard has joined the Wizards. There's a lot that's been happening here over the last, you know, what, week or so, week and a half. Uh, is there anything that stands out to you? I'm personally, I, I'm okay with the Dwight Howard to the Wizards move. I think, I actually like him. I think he's a, he's a oh, good God. fit here. He's a, he's a nutcase, but 
Um, if anything, you know, Coach Brooks has proven that he can manage a locker room. And I think Gortat gone. Howard still on any given night is a top ten center in this league. He's a forgotten yeah. man, and he's 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 his skills may have decayed a little bit, but he can still set a pick. He can still roll to the basket. He can still dunk a basketball, and that's what this team needed out of Gortat that they didn't get consistently. Uh, is there any storyline out there that really grabbed your attention? I know you're not NBA guy. Not but. NBA, and that's why I'm I'm gonna let you you know handle the front on this. But uh, Dwayne Howard is a loser. That's why he fits perfectly on the Wizards. <laughs> yeah, he fits perfectly on the Wizards because he's a loser. Um, LeBron to LA makes perfect sense. I think it's a great business decision for LeBron. LeBron has always wanted to be an icon. LeBron has actually never really wanted to be the greatest NBA player that ever lived. Right? He didn't have that like maniacal drive that Kobe had to chase Jordan. I actually think LeBron is almost bullied into the Jordan comparisons. I don't think he desires that. What LeBron desires is more Jay-Z than Jordan in the sense of being kind of a brand, being an icon. And so LA makes perfect sense. And I think you hit the nail on the head. I think he goes to LA, he's in a bunch of movies, commercials, TV shows. He's already done, you know, some acting, uh, you know, a whole wine and dine with billionaires and, get into some business deals and he'll play basketball and he'll, he'll win 50 games, maybe, you know, be a four seed. He'll fight in the playoffs and he'll get knocked out by golden state or some other team. And, and nobody will blame him because he's passing to JaVale McGee. And then he's got Lance Stevenson blowing in his ear. So it's, uh, uh you, you made the point though. And I want you to elaborate on this. You were saying it's kind of a long game. I, I think the last time we talked about the Warriors being broken up soon. Yeah, I think it's inevitable because Clay is done after this year and Steph the year after. Clay, if there's one part of this dynamic four that they have there that's likely to move, it's Clay because he's the guy who's who's really having his wings clipped on a nightly basis. Um, and a natural landing spot for him is the Los Angeles Lakers. So I think I think there's more to the, what's happening in LA. I think I don't think Magic Johnson. There's a reason all the guys he's brought in are on one year deals, with the exception of LeBron. Kawhi, if he doesn't get traded before the start of the season, and even money, right now the money's even, whether it happens or not, well, no matter where he goes, he's going to be in LA, you know, come the start of next season. So you're potentially looking at LeBron playing with me and you this year, but next year having Clay Thompson at the two, and potentially um, Kawhi at the three, with him playing a four. I don't think Carmelo will go there. I don't think, he, I, I think LeBron, as much as he loves his boy Melo, I just don't see him going there. He's not a fit. He doesn't really add anything. He's not going to make him any better. It would just be an opportunity to check a box that they played together. So I'm, I don't see that personally happening. But there's a, there's some other talent that's going to be out there next season that could come into L.A. and play with LeBron. But most notably to me, Kawhi and, and Clay Thompson. Those two guys, if you add them, I mean, you're, you're looking at a really solid team there. Uh, you know, Rajon Rondo may be, may be past his prime, but he can still dribble a ball. He's, he can still run an, an offense, something that LeBron hasn't had at the point guard position uh, since, frankly, since Kyrie left. So about a, about a year now. Um, but Kyrie also wanted his shots. Rajon's not that type of guard. So there's some interesting pieces that are in place there that maybe they're a 45-50 win team this year just because LeBron is amazing and there's – at least that many games against East Coast competition. But come next year, they may actually be in a position to contend, especially if you can weaken the Warriors. Mm -hmm. And if Boogie comes in and has a great season, there won't be enough money for him to stay there. So he's going to be gone. So you're going to go from a big four to, or a big three and a half to a big two and a half, and suddenly they're beatable. You know, Clint Capella is an interesting piece. There's a whole bunch of other moving pieces, right? But to me, I look at Oklahoma City, and I, I don't want to talk forever about the NBA, but what, they were, what they've what they been able to do here by convincing a guy like Nerlens Noel to come into town, instead of taking starter minutes and starter money in, in D.C., he opted to go play backup um, in OKC. Like they're, they're also building something there, and I think they're looking at next year also with two or three really good pieces in place to be competitive. So, the, like I said, the NBA offseason, the problem with the NBA right now is that the offseason is far more enjoyable than the actual regular season itself with all the movement and the rumors. and every, like, It's bad for the NBA. It's great for fans. It's bad for the NBA. But frankly, is anybody going to watch the regular season? Is there any point in watching the, nope. the Bucks versus the, the, the Hawks? Nope. There just isn't, right? So the, the NBA is in a weird spot. Uh, you know, it's not... The money's still going to keep coming in because ESPN overpaid for the product, but 
the NBA is in a very unique spot and all the talent shifting to the Western Conference, again, very reminiscent of you know, kind of basketball heyday for us growing up in the late uh, the late '90s and early 2000s, where all the power and the best teams were in in the Western Conference, and we're essentially back to that with the Eastern Conference essentially being a one and a half team league. You know, just on that side of the bracket, it's going to be the Celtics, the Raptors if they stay intact should be competitive. I think the Wizards. You know, I wish I, I don't even want to say this, but they should be better than they were last year. But the Pacers were an upstart team. So you're going to have a bunch of these like mid, you know, middling 50 ish win teams, but none of them have a shot. And I would, I would, it's the, forget about the Warriors here for a second. These teams don't have a shot at beating the, the, um, the Rockets in a seven game series. I don't, frankly, I don't think they could beat the Jazz in a seven game series. And that's a team that I'm really big on. I love what the Jazz did. Um, adding your boy Grayson Allen and some other pieces too. Like they've had a really nice team. The problem, the problem is nobody's listening. Like nobody's watching the Utah Jazz. But that that's a how really, long did it take him to get into a fight? Uh, one game actually. Did you see? You tried it to, to fight yeah, first game. First game with who? It was uh, one of the rookies. Uh, the number one pick. It was at the top of the key. Yeah, I, I watched the play like a million times because he clearly like stepped under him and tried to lift him. Fight. Yeah, but anyway, let let's. LP and I will get into all the NBA free agency stuff, Please, including one crazy me. rumor that that may come to fruition, which is uh, – or one thing that I kind of want to happen just for the talking points, which is Carmelo going to the Warriors. <laughs> but uh, let, let me and LP talk about that. But um, let's – there's some other stuff happening around the world here. Let's talk about the World Cup for a minute. Have you been watching the World Cup, Steve? I have. I have. Nice uh, little rest day. My 2 p.m. Uh, pick-me-up. Yeah, I don't know what we're going to do when these games stop. Um, but who you got in tomorrow's matchup? And I, you got to be going with the Brits here, right? Yeah. Uh, what is it called? Three Lions? Is that what they call the Three them? Lions. That's right. The Three Lions. Yeah. Yeah. Will, will you be watching um, with Rain yeah, with Wayne I, Rooney tomorrow? Uh, I wish. I wish Rooney looked good yesterday. I saw him. Gave him a little wave. <laughs> oh yeah. What'd you he say to him? That, uh, he was at. He was at Audi Field. Just letting him know uh, if he needs. Uh, Recommendations around the neighborhood. I don't know where he settled. But uh, he hasn't settled anywhere the yet. Stadium. Look, okay, I'll be watching the World Cup, you know, wherever tomorrow. But on Saturday, I actually watched it at Audi Field Stadium right outside. They have a makeshift uh, bar. It's it's, uh, it's, it's family friendly. There's places for the kids to run around. There's turf, big screen, beautiful. And the stadium itself looks dynamite. I mean, it, you know, DC has been doing some stuff right lately, and. Uh, this stadium that I basically paid for with my tax money. Thank you. Uh, looks incredible. Looks, I mean, you're talking twenty three thousand. Will you attend a DC new. United game? Not Saturday because number one, it's All Star Week and sure. everything should stop for the All Star Week. But and also because prices are insane for this first game. I saw tickets in the like one fifteen to one thirty range yes. for upper deck. So that's insane. No, I will go to. Uh, Midweek, I don't know. Do they play midweek? Games? They do. Like you're, you're, you're looking for the the ten dollar variety. Oh yeah, fifteen dollar. Am variety. I gonna find it? Yeah, you'll find it eventually. You'll find it. Or maybe our they, boys they will. Maybe the, maybe our boys people, at DCU will hook us. Uh, DC United, they love the community. Okay, they they they're they're in our look. If our you if you non soccer guy are excited about Wayne Rooney coming to town, that says a lot. I mean, that says that this was a good signing. For the for yeah. the DC United for the MLS, you know, and we are probably four years away from Ronaldo coming. So, uh, have you followed that news today? Uh, Juventus, Juventus, Juventus. Is okay, it, very is good. It silent. It, it, de- it depends on how annoying you want to be with your pronunciation, but Juventus is fine. So, one hundred and thirty-two million dollar or one hundred seventeen million dollar transfer fee. Um, I'll tell you, I'm not excited about it's this. Like a bargain. It is for a guy who's going to run away with that. I mean, so the Italian league is basically the, like the MLS, the European MLS equivalent. Like this, it's a slower league. It's just not a lot of fun, and there's not a lot of people that watch it. Um, you can argue that it's maybe a little bit better than um, the German league, but frankly, it's going to be hard for us here in the States to watch Ronaldo on a weekly basis now that he's out of La Liga. And frankly, it makes La Liga worse too in Spain. So, yeah, it, we have a whole soccer show coming to preview the final when the, when the matchup is finally set on Thursday night for anyone that's listening. Um, but I'm excited for you, Steve. I'm excited that you've been watching this. this is, I mean, today's today's game was really good. Um, today's game was okay. I think the highlight the of the World Cup, the, the best game of the World Cup was Brazil-Belgium. Uh, I think 
that was uh, incredible. I think Belgium, Japan, uh, when Belgium came back, Belgium, Japan was really scored. good. But I tell you what, the, uh, well, the opening match, that opening, um, what was it, Spain, Portugal, uh, in the that first was a weekend, great one. yes, you know, and That's you would right. maybe because it's the first one in the group stage and not much on the line. Maybe you'd argue uh, it, it can't be, it can't challenge some of the others, but. I mean, there's been some. No. This has been a wide open World Cup. It's been incredibly enjoyable and a lot of fun to watch. I thought the Russia Croatia match was, you know, just, uh, you know, maybe from a technical standpoint, was incredible, but just from a, a theatrical standpoint, it was incredible. Russia scoring in the 93rd minute, send it into penalty. It was like the 115th, 115th minute, right? They scored yeah. um, in extra time, getting into penalty kicks. The penalty kicks were riveting. So, how yeah, many I how many they, PKs could you stop? If your wife took all ten, uh, my wife. Oh, sorry. If she a, if she took five, my wife is a varsity high school soccer player. Okay, so if she took five, I could probably stop three. But if Joe took five, I'd stop five of yours. Okay. What if what if she took the shots and you were goalie? No, that's what I'm saying. Oh, I, that's what I was answering. I could stop three of her shots. Could, how, how many could I score on her? I could score all five. And I'm pretty sure I've done it with you, and I've whooped you. I think you beat me like two to three, all right? And I missed. I put too much spin on the ball. I tried to bend it. Yeah, I tried yeah. to get fancy. I was going to say, you, you can't get it up, but you know, take that for what it's worth. Okay? <laughs> can, I'll challenge you any day to get it up contest, all right? <laughs> no problems in that field, all right? My body may be breaking down elsewhere, but I can still do that. that this seems like a good segue into Trump. Let the, hey, you want to talk Trump first, or you want to do uh, the Thai cave rescue? Let's do Trump first. Is he taking credit for the Thai cave rescue? Well, he deserves some credit if you're going to get, I mean, like 1% just for dispatching you know, Navy SEALs, basically. Not even 1%, because he didn't do any of the Look, work. Yeah, Elon Musk was more invested in, in this than Trump was. I'm fascinated by Elon Musk. I'm fascinated by how his brain works. That everyone's talking about like diving and like, uh, you know, the face mask thing. And I don't know if you saw the video about the the 15 inch wide like hole that they had to crawl through basically with the tank. Like it made me sick just watching it. And then Elon comes on and he's like, "I want to send a tube and inflate yeah, it so they can just whatever, yeah. so they can just walk out." And I'm like, "Wow!" Like his brain is something else, man. It really is. It really yeah. is. But so I tweeted this a couple of days ago when the rescue started, and I said, you know, it, you know, this one football team is, you know, that has nothing to do with the World Cup, um, it has captured the entire like prayfulness and thoughts and and warm wishes and and well wishes of the of like seven billion people on the planet, like this one small soccer team in in a whatever in in wherever Thailand has completely captivated the entire world and. Um, you know, we're going to get a lot more to the story as to how they ended up where they ended up and why they were there. And did the soccer coach lead them in there or did he go to find them? There's already some reports coming that he went in to get them because the parents got upset that they went on their own. So we're going to learn a lot more about this, but it doesn't change that they were basically sitting in complete darkness for two weeks. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine doing that for a day with my family, much less. You know, guys I play, you know, 12-year-olds, like, how, how do you communicate? Like, you just sit there and count off, uh, you know, to make sure that all 12 are still breathing. I, I don't know yeah. how you operate in complete darkness. And apparently, the they he basically collected the few electronics they had on him, and they were using that for light. Like, it, the whole thing is just, it's incredible to me. Um, and the pictures, like, it's not like they were sitting either, like, on, like, grass. Like, they're sitting in mud. The, the whole thing, it, it just... It it truly captivated me. I mean, even on vacation, I couldn't get enough of this story. I was following it from the second the rescue started, you know, first four that came out, then the second, and then obviously today with the, the end of the mission and everyone going, you know, getting out. I, I mean, I was completely, completely engulfed in this. Um, uh, but I, I found myself just wondering, like, one, how did you end up in the place that you ended up? And two, how did cave divers from the other side of the planet find them like i don't know how you do that either what part of your brain tells you to swim through a 15 inch gap in rocks because maybe humans are on the other side it's incredible yeah i also have been following it i mean i, I see it kind of uh sparingly when I, when I turn on the tv but 
it begs the question for a different show is who is the worst person to be stuck down there with <laughs> if you had to be there for two weeks? That Maybe we can all ponder that question and come back and regroup together. Um, or maybe that's a call-in show. Yeah, there's a lot of different... I think that can go many different ways. I'd like to be able to filter some of the responses uh, before we actually record it, but the, the story was incredible. I, I mean, and a hat tip and, and a golf clap and, and kudos galore to the to the team of volunteers, the army of volunteers that found those kids and uh, and the coach, the 25-year-old coach, and, and got them all out. It's, it's incredible. I don't know. Like I said, for me, I saw one video of a guy taking a tank off his back and like shoving it through some pitch black crack basically that there's no way I could fit between those rocks. And it's just like, uh, how do you do that? How do you find them? How do you get to them? How do you get them out? It's incredible. And, and um, yeah, I mean, the soccer team in Thailand captivated the entire planet and, and it's amazing that they got out. It's a, the whole thing is just incredible, incredible. And a testament how, to how what happens, the kids? uh, 12 to 14 or 11 to 14. Mm-hmm. But again, Pitch black for nine days with like granola bars or, or the equivalent of granola bars in their pockets. A few yeah. of them had cell phones and they just sat there. Like, uh, it's incredible. It's incredible. And, and it, like, I'm excited to learn more about what happened and what the what their experience was. But I'm also glad it's over because it was like, to me, you know, being a parent, like when you see certain things that involve kids in particular, it just pulls at a different, mm-hmm. you know, different heartstrings that you didn't know were there. Um, but sure. you know, but Trump did tweet and he said, you know, that oh, the U.S. God. was going to be helping, and you know, he's been he's had a busy couple of weeks himself. You know, are are you satisfied with his Supreme Court nomination? <laughs> I actually, uh, I wanted uh, Amy Barrett. I actually really liked her. I know you're going to be surprised. I know I, I picked the, the staunch conservative. Uh, but I, I liked her and the stuff I read about her. I don't really know a lot about Kavanaugh. I, I know uh, people that I respect on the, the conservative side called him a double, not a home run. So there seems to be some question marks around um, his stance on abortion. Uh, and also, I believe uh, he's a pretty big fan of presidential power. So I'm, I think people are a little concerned with that. Um but I'm okay with it. I think the funny thing is Trump is actually smarter than he looks in the sense of he's insane and he does insane stuff. But when it comes to the most critical of decisions, he actually makes the boring, obvious, uh, kind of researched, principled decision. Like, you know, it, it, it's not Judge Janine. I mean, I know, I know you're surprised by this. <laughs> But the rest of the world that actually follows the news is not. I mean, he he hasn't done many things that make you truly question his, his capacity as a leader, and that's just a fact. Oh, you 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 cannot oh, like him all you want. Oh, but Kavanaugh is is yet another example of him doing. I'm not gonna say the right thing, but a sensible thing. Like he's not going for. I don't know how I feel about that double analogy, but it's you know I'll I'll use it even though I don't 100 percent agree with it. A double's fine. A double's fine. He doesn't have to swing for the fence well, every well, time. Well, well, I think you know you got to be careful with that. And if I was a conservative, I I'd caution that a double. You know, Chief Justice Roberts was a double, right? Good guy. Turned out and, to be a single conservative. Turned out to be single. I mean, he. You know, depending on what you think of Obamacare, I mean, he is the deciding factor in Obamacare. So, I mean, the, I'm surprised. I, I know, um, I thought they would uh, pick a staunch, uh, pro-life, very conservative judge. I mean, why take a chance? I mean, you had essentially well, a swing you, vote you, you gotta, Anthony Kennedy. No, you, because getting them through is almost impossible. They don't have enough of a majority, right? They're going to have to appeal to some of the sensible Democrats, to get anybody through, Kavanaugh is—he's a good pick. He's a good pick, and 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 he will get confirmed. He'll get confirmed, right? And this is where this is where I think I'm not going to call it like the brilliance of POTUS, but this is where he uh, he understands what needs to be done, and then he adjusts for it. Kavanaugh will get through because he's you know if he doesn't get all the Republican votes, he'll get enough plus the three or four that they can pull from the Dems. It'll get him through, and that's what that's what he needed to do. Right, that that's what POTUS needed. He needed somebody who would get through the process and confirmed. 
So this doesn't drag yeah, on for he, Yeah, once he gets confirmed, then uh, you know Trump starts spooking the hell out of Ginsburg to see if she can have a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> he's, he's hiding behind doors. <laughs> uh, I think he actually thinks he'll get three, but there's there's no way Ginsburg. I mean, she will as long as Trump is in. Uh, She'll hold on. The West Wing. She's going to hold on. She will hold on. I mean, she seems to be in tip-top shape. She seems, you know, to all have, have her mental faculties all in uh, line. I think she ain't going nowhere. So this is really, you know, the last Supreme Court justice we'll have for, uh, you know, a few years. I think if a Democrat wins the White House in 20, I think she will uh, get out you, quickly. Uh, yes, but that's not looking very plausible oh, God, right now. Go. It's just not. I mean, you can roll your eyes and and, and you can quote some uh, some BS out of the out of whatever newspaper you think you're reading or you're reading, but I mean, Trump is poised right now to win again because he's all he's going to stand up and say, "Look, all he needs to stand up and say is, is there anything that you don't like that I've actually done?" And the answer is no. If he keeps inching closer to peace on the Korean Peninsula, that alone will will seal it for him. You know, so you, you don't underestimate the vast majority of Americans that live between the coasts, right? I mean, they're not they're not like you and I, uh, in the sense that they're they're not going to read every nuance and opinions on both sides and everything else. It's going to be you know, clippings, and it's not Twitter clippings. It's like literally clippings, like what what the local paper wrote. Or what their their uncle said about whatever when they were doing whatever they were doing at family dinner. Like it's just not. That's the majority of the country, man. It's it's just the way it is. But um, Kavanaugh's going to get through. That all I have to say, Kavanaugh's going to get through. Anything else you want to touch on in like the last two weeks? Current events, news, other random stuff. You want to talk about Drake's album, which is not that good. Okay, don't know about that. Okay. Um, oh. It's good to be back. We haven't been recording in a couple of weeks. I, mean, I think we got to get back on the horn. We got to get the guys together. We got to do some call in. How about some Redskins stuff? You've been following the, the, the triumphs I, of Darius Geis buying his mom a car and basically just showing up everybody at, at, uh, at OTCs? I don't know about that, but I, I heard camp is starting in what, uh, two weeks? It's around maybe the two corner. And a half weeks. Just around the corner. That's incredible. Well, I think. Uh, we need some good news coming out of Ashburn. I think, uh, of course, the stories are always going to be, you know, Geist looks amazing. And, you know, well, they don't have pads on them. They look incredible. So I think it's going to take a while to see what we actually have down in Ashburn. Uh, he, he has an interesting body Alex type. He, he's, he's actually very scary because he, he's got the body that, like, when he stops playing or if he takes, like, a summer off, uh, he's gonna be he's he's gonna go from lightning to thunder really quick, and, and I don't think we're gonna yeah. be able to get him back. Um, so we, he's yeah, been the, the, he's been an interesting storyline. I love that he just randomly invites people to go bowling. Yeah, yeah. Well, the big story that that I was just reading about today. I don't know if you saw Lashawn McCoy. I hear allegations. Is there anything beyond? that? Oh, more than alleg. I mean, there's pictures. I mean, when you get pictures. The smoke, there's fire. So, what is that going to do yeah, to his was, fantasy draft stock? <laughs> but I mean, the allegations were not just domestic violence; they were child abuse, they were animal cruelty. I mean, they were drug use. I mean, she alleged that he was taking illegal, illegal drugs. I mean, she really threw the kitchen sink. Who, at who that. is she? It was actually a friend of the girlfriend who was beaten in the pictures. Okay. Um, and so she basically said, "I'm not covering for you anymore. I've seen you." Uh, beat the kid to sleep because he peed in his bed or something like that. I've seen you beat the dog and almost, you know, take the dog out. I've seen you take drugs, like crazy stuff. And she showed a picture of his girlfriend today, just beaten into a pulp and said, this is the last straw. So there has to be some type of investigation. And then uh, probably... Well, look, with the NFL, you can't say there has to be anything because there's a quarterback currently playing for the Tampa Bay Bucks. That got a three-game uh, slap on the wrist. It's a complete joke, right? He shouldn't be playing. Yeah. He shouldn't have a job. He shouldn't have a job. Well, what I mean, what they'll do is they have the dartboard of punishment, right? And Goodell just takes one of those darts and just chucks it, and it's 
somewhere between half a game suspension versus, you know, a season suspension. And, you know, if you deflate some balls, it's, I don't know, eight games, four games. Four games. Girl, it's two games. So. And not just deflate, with a with a almost spotless record before that. I mean, his coach had some questionable uh, happenings. But, yeah, you, you look at what happened to Brady versus what's going to happen or what will happen as far as uh, uh, Jameis Winston. I mean, Jameis Winston, first of all, he's proven he's an idiot. If I'm Bucks management, this guy was, you know, he was accused of raping someone in college. He stole the crab legs, right? We drafted him anyway, and now somehow he finds himself or allows himself to be in a situation where he can be accused again. He's just not smart, man. Like, he's, they should have cut him. They should just cut him and say, we're not going to, like, you're not worth $20 million to us. You're not. Yeah, I think they're getting themselves into. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just a bad business decision. The NFL is losing the offseason here, making bad decision after bad decision. The anthem policy was a terrible decision. Uh, this this random suspension, uh, this like you said, the dartboard of punishment. Uh, it's actually a, a very fitting uh, analogy or explanation as to how things are handed out. It's terrible. I mean, it's it's not. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And if I'm the Bucks personally, you gotta go. You gotta let him go. You can't have a guy like that on your on your squad. You just can't. But I'm not the Bucks. I'm actually very thankful that we have a guy named Alex Smith quarterbacking here. Yeah. Um, I, I don't he really get into an Uber. No, he's just gonna show up and do his job. You know, and that, that's what you need him to do, especially in this town. Um, you know, the Redskins. I'm sure we're taking a taking a hard look at the Caps uh, postseason run and the rally of the the city around. All things capitals, the 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 consuming of all merchandise and and content being created and everything else, you know the Redskins. You know the more I look at this team and the more I read about them, they're not going to be. Uh, they they may not challenge for a Super Bowl, but they should be. They should be able to hang in every game, which is where they've been every season past. The difference is they've upgraded um, significantly, in my opinion, at at uh, running back. And if quarterback's a push. Then the question becomes, can can someone get open down the field to catch the ball? But we'll do a whole bunch of Redskins stuff in the coming weeks. For now, though, it was nice to get back on and just record and kind of get caught up on so many things. You know, talked a lot about the Nats. We talked about All-Star Weekend that's upcoming. We talked. We touched on the NBA Free Agency, the World Cup, Wayne Rooney coming to D.C. United, the Thai Cave Rescue, which is the story of the year so far. And and time should make all the uh, the volunteers and and personnel involved with that rescue. They should make them all like the man of the year or men of the year, people of the year, in my opinion. Kavanaugh for sure is going to get through, and the NFL is crazy. Um, anything else, Mr. Stevie? Let's get back on the horn after the break, after the All-Star break. Yeah, let's do it. I, I Well, we'll be. I'll be back on the horn potentially in a couple hours here with LP talking about NBA free agency. A couple days from now, we will do a full World Cup uh, third place game and final preview. Um, you know more Nats and and for sure more Nats. And after the break, we got to see if this team can get right and get quick, get right quick. And then we got all kinds of Redskins stuff to jump into as well. It's uh, it's been a nice little break here for most of us, and I think uh, it'll still be a little bit of a slow summer over the next couple of weeks. But I'm excited to get back into it and uh, start putting out more content. Thanks for making time, Stevie. Thank you, everyone, for listening. A little extended two weeks in review session here with Joe and Steve, uh, about an hour long. So maybe you want to listen to it over uh, over two sessions in the car, maybe on the way to work and on the way home from work. It'll still be relevant tomorrow. Uh, for Stevie, my name is Joe. This has been DTC. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time, we are out.